This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Canada. It's big, it's cold, and it's ready to prey on you. Canada is awfully similar to a polar bear, but believe it or not, there are things even more terrifying than a polar bear waiting for you in Canada. So let's take an overdue trip to our neighbors in the north. These are 10 allegedly real sightings of monsters in Canada. Let's see if you can survive in Canada. Well, that was rough. If you've got a scary experience of your own, share it with us at darknessprevails.org for a chance to have it read on the show. The Skinwalker by the River from Raju 101. Location, Carimios, British Columbia. It happened on one cold and windy day in my little town where nothing usually ever happened. My house is located across a river which runs through our BC area. It's fairly large and across it, there is a little one-car bridge. You have to understand that this bridge is located in the middle of the woods and drapes around in this forested area in my little village. Since my school is across from the bridge, I have to cross it every morning to get to school, even in the winter seasons, because my parents leave to work fairly early every day of the week. This particular day was a cold one, snow everywhere, and the river was frozen with ice covering its surface. As I was walking toward the bridge, I saw something catch my eye across the river's edge. There was something standing by the tree. I figured it was a coyote. We have plenty of wildlife around here, and coyotes are all too common. But as I began to walk closer, it seemed to be standing far taller than the average animal in these woods and it was darker in color. Now I was kind of nervous, because it could have been a wolf or maybe a bear, and I really did not want to get in any trouble with those animals. As I began walking across the bridge, I noticed it. It was looking at me. I watched it closely, trying to observe what it was. It certainly wasn't a bear, and it was not a wolf. As details became more clear to my vision, I realized it was something unlike anything I'd ever seen. The creature was standing on two legs like a man, but the knee joints were bent backwards as if its legs were inverted. Its body was extremely thin and frail. I could see its ribs protruding under the skin, and the way it was hunched over, I could see the top of its spine poking out from its back. I was so shocked at what I was looking at. I stood there staring for probably a minute straight, but it felt like ages. Then the creature perked its head up. It was so fast, I didn't even see it move. 
I froze when I saw it staring directly into my eyes. It was so inhuman that I saw its mouth move. It was distorted. I wasn't exactly sure if it was saying something or just gnawing at something. I took one step forward, still with my eyes on the creature. It saw me move, and it did not like that. It bellowed this otherworldly screech, which made my skin freeze over. I was so scared, I could feel tears welling up in my eyes as the thing fell on all fours and ran across the icy river top. Going full speed, it was faster than any animal I'd witnessed. In one or two seconds, it was gone, disappearing from my sight for good. It took me several moments to convince my body that it was okay to move. When I had full control again, I ran to my school as quickly as possible. I didn't glance back once, but I swear... I could hear the faint sound of twigs snapping behind me. If it had followed me, it could have gotten me easily, but it seemed to only follow me from a distance. It wasn't until I made it across the highway, away from the woods, that the sounds finally stopped. Werewolf at Grandma's From Lil Pump Girl Location, Alberta, Canada Eight years ago in mid-November, at Blueberry Mountain in northern Alberta, my family and I were camping out at my grandmother's farm on my mother's side of the family. That locale had always given me the creeps ever since I was a little girl. I could deal with the possible spirits and ghosts wherever, but I would never be prepared for what was about to happen. My grandmother was in her trailer watching her movies with the cats. My parents' holiday trailer was ten feet away. My dad was trying to make some dinner and had asked me and my brother to retrieve something from the shed by the beaver pond. I thought to myself, yeah, no, not without a flashlight. So I grabbed my sweater that had a busted zipper and I put on my shoes. And along with my brother, I grabbed an extra flashlight just in case one burnt out. So we walked out past Grandma's place, about 250 feet to where the shed was. Shelby, our grandma's dog, had seen us at the shed and walked over cautiously, almost as if something had spooked her. We all heard a few snaps and crackles of the tree branches nearby. Coming from the back of the shed, this was maybe 10 feet away next to the pond. My brother and I couldn't find what my dad had asked for, and now Shelby was beginning to whine. She cowered behind us. I started to get a very off feeling, and shivers ran rapidly down my spine. We locked up the shed so we could head back to the trailer. As my brother and I were walking halfway back, we both heard something. We stopped to see Shelby booking it right past us towards the other side of Grandma's house, where the horse pin was. Then all of a sudden, when we were about to continue forward, something rustled out of the bush line 10 feet on the left side of us, on the same side as the holiday trailer. It was like looking at a dark shadowy mass, and as me and my brother shone our flashlights at it, the bright blue eyes glowed 
and the dark black fur raised before going back down trying to conceal itself. Did it not know that we spotted it? This had my brother and I thinking. Oh, cool, a wolf. But it was not cool, because then the creature came back up, this time on two legs. It stared at us, now apparently wanting to be seen. It stood nearly as tall as the holiday trailer, which was nearly ten feet. I shone my shaky flashlight at its hands, and they appeared more human than anything. Trembling even more now, I shone the light on its face, which revealed something more akin to a timber wolf. This for sure had me and my brother shaken. We stayed still, letting it stare at us for a few minutes. If we ran, we knew that it would chase after us, and we did not want that. After a while, we began to slowly walk toward the trailer. It didn't seem to mind the slow movements. As we got closer to the trailer, we saw that the horses and dogs were all hiding. I'd never been more nervous than then. Anything could happen at any moment. When we made it to the door of the trailer, a howl boomed from right behind us, causing my brother and I to flinch and run inside. We caught our breaths, even though we hadn't run at all, then calmly went to our dad and told him that we didn't find what he requested. He rolled his eyes, then my brother and I went to the window and shone the flashlight outside down the road. It took us a moment, but we found the creature again, standing tall next to a hay bale, still unafraid to make its presence known. As I began to open the window in front of us, my brother asked me what I was doing. I opened it and howled like a wolf back at the thing, just to see what it would do. Its ears perked up before it fell onto all fours and ran off across the dirt road. When I shut the window, my dad called me a dork for howling, but then after I told him what happened, he only mocked me more, thinking that I was making something up. Luckily, I was able to show him the dog prints the next morning. Compared to Shelby's prints, these prints were about double the size, and Shelby is a full-grown husky. Comparing it to my own foot size, it was half as big as my shoe. I haven't seen the beautiful yet terrifying creature since, but I know that that werewolf is still there roaming around. Maybe it's hunting deer, as I have heard from a few people across town that they've seen an abnormal amount of deer remains. And now the gossip is that a big wolf has moved into our neck of the woods. But I know better because I saw what it was in person. I was asked to water my neighbor's garden from Black Rabbit Watches, location, British Columbia. I'm not sure what to think of what happened. I may just be overthinking things, or my sister may have just been joking with me. I figured I'd share this small story here, in case anyone had any insight as to what may have happened. However, I hope that it's not anything as monstrous as I first expected. Maybe I misheard. For perspective, I live out in the southern part of British Columbia, Canada. I live a good half hour away from the nearest town by car, and my home is completely surrounded by forest 
with the occasional distanced neighbor. It is not uncommon for us to see and hear coyotes, wolves, bears, and cougars, so we have a large dog for protection. However, the latest dog passed on, so our new protector is just a puppy at the moment. She's not very brave just yet, and I don't think she could have helped the situation if she had wanted to. It happened the summer after my graduation. I received a call from one of my neighbors asking if we could tend to her garden while her and her husband went on a fishing trip. I took the walk down the hill with my dog through the brush so that she could lay out the details of specific care her plants needed. My family has known this woman since we moved into our home 20 years ago, and as children, we would all go down to visit her, make her cards, and chat, and she would allow us to play in her swimming pool in the summer. I trusted her completely and have house set for her before, so it was no odd request for my sister and I to go and help out. Her garden was new and absolutely gorgeous. I have a garden of my own, but it was nothing compared to hers, which was gated in and was in pristine condition. The mosquitoes were horrid, so she made her instructions short, and I retreated back up the hill to inform my little sister of our assignment. The very first day was terribly hot. My sister and I got up early to evade the heat and bugs, but in the end, they were all sitting in the shade waiting for us to arrive. It took a full hour and a half to completely soak the entire garden, and by then we were sore, sweating, itchy, and irritable from all the newfound bite marks. We were supposed to water the garden every morning so that the sun wouldn't dry up the water throughout the day. So I got up early to wake my sister, who, after yesterday's entertainment, refused to go down with me, protesting that she wanted to sleep in. She told me to leave her alone. Not wanting to be held responsible for the demise of my neighbor's veggies, I reluctantly trotted down the path to my neighbor's alone. Both my dogs were off on some squirrel-infested adventure, so the trek was made by myself. Only a few birds that morning until I made it down farther, and the closer I got, the quieter it became. My attention, however, was on the sun, and I wanted to finish my task as soon as possible. When I was almost done, I took a stretch and went to turn off the hose, wiping the sweat from my forehead. Across the field from the garden, I thought I heard a person, which would have been weird all the way out here, so I stood still to listen. What I heard was my sister calling my name in a shrill voice. Now, my sister and I would often call each other in strange, exaggerated screeches and voices in just that particular way. I knew for a fact that my sister was far too lazy, though, to hike all the way down here, then sneak through brush across a field just to yell my name like that. I listened again, but heard nothing. Finishing up, I assumed I had just misheard it, believing it had to have been a bird or something, though the odd happening stuck in my mind. Later on, I referred the account to my sister, who laughed and joked with me that it must have been this creature her friend told her about. The creature she talked about was called a Wendigo or Skinwalker. Honestly, I do not know the difference between the two, or if they're the same thing. 
I don't know what these creatures are or if they actually exist, but if they did exist, they're supposed to live in these kinds of areas. I put it out of my mind anyway, not believing in such things. The following day, I was with my sister tending the garden, and my dog came down to see us. I was shocked to see that her paw was hurt. Maybe she had cut herself on a piece of sheet metal. I ran with her back up to the house to see if I could clean and fix it. My sister did not want to come up with me, so she stayed in the garden to finish up watering her part. It turned out the injury on my dog's paw was not her own, and she had simply caught an unfortunate pack rat, whom she had delightedly torn to shreds. When I came back down to my sister, she wasn't in the garden. Confused, I began to walk to my neighbor's house when she came outside to meet me. She told me that she had heard her name being called from across the field in my voice. It was in the same shrill way I had heard mine. She was visibly spooked and insisted we go back up to the house and leave the garden until tomorrow. I refused. I told her she could go up without me if she wanted, but I had to finish the garden. I suspected she was only kidding with me, and I was waiting for her to give up or refuse right away like she normally would. Instead, she stayed with me, holding her arms and refusing to walk up alone. Once we finished, we both came back together for the next three mornings to water the garden, and no other weird occurrences happened. To this day, my sister claims she was not lying. I'm not sure if these creatures are supposed to be smart enough or talented enough to pull off stunts so specific. We've lived in the same house in the middle of the woods our whole lives. We can be loud and silly without fear of annoying anyone but if someone or something had been close enough to listen, they definitely had plenty of time to do so. Also, the way these occurrences only happened when one of us was alone gives me goosebumps. I'd love to hear any answers you have for me. Late Night Visitor From Black Rabbit Watches Location, British Columbia, Canada I think this may be related to my first encounter, read previously. That happened during my grad summer of 2017, but this event took place just last October. I still live in the middle of the forest in southern British Columbia, Canada, and it was only recently that I've noticed some strange things occurring. I'm wondering if it's due to all the forest fires we've had in the last few years, Lots of wildlife have been forced to move from their homes. This has caused a lot of wildlife to disrupt the usual flow of things as they try to find food and new places to live. Though, this is only one explanation that I've come up with. Closer to the end of the year, my German shepherd, Keda, has been barking a lot around the house, more and more often. Usually, I chalk it up to her being bored, but I can tell by the different barks she makes if something is actually out there. Also, it's not uncommon for her to dash into the brush after some unknown animal, usually a deer, with her little mutt sidekick, Jazzy. They can be gone for hours at a time. Anyway, I wake up one October night to hear the strangest sound coming from outside my window. I live on the second floor of my house with a deck right below me, 
The sound was so close that, at first, I was scared something was in my room. As I got out of my bed, I realized whatever it was had to be directly below me outside. It had to have been right up against our house, which was pretty ballsy for any wild animal, considering the smell of our dogs and us humans would be everywhere. It sounded like a sort of howl, though it was no howl either of my dogs have ever made or are even able to make. Believe me, I'd know. It was very low and almost sounded sad, but it was a bit of a rumbling growl. It was like whatever it was, was lazily but persistently just breathing out the sound. There was no way this was my dog, and it sounded unlike any coyote or wolf I'd ever heard. I've lived out here so long and often enjoy camping in the woods. I've heard countless wolf and coyote sounds, and I can usually even differentiate them. Also, it's extremely unlikely that it was a neighbor's dog, for no neighbor's dogs dare come near our house because of our old wolf dog, who would certainly chase them off. Also, the neighbor's homes are just too far apart. Then the thought occurred to me that my dogs weren't barking. Had even the sound of this, they should have been going mad at the moment, considering there was something so close to the house. The only conclusion was that it must have been Kata, since sometimes she will bark when she wants inside, but something had to have been very wrong with her. I go downstairs and open the front door, calling out Kata's name for her to come inside. The sound had since then stopped, but in its place I can hear claws on the deck booking it in the other direction. It's too dark for me to see anything, and my window was on the other side of the house. It was then that I was getting really scared. I hear my dog barking in the trees in a completely different area. She must have been off on a deer-infested adventure while this happened. So what was that howling under my window? My sister came downstairs to ask me what was wrong. When I told her about the sound, she said she had heard it too, but only a little bit as she was just waking up. She said she wouldn't have recalled it had I not reminded her. What's even scarier was the fact that our front door was broken at the time. So whatever this thing is, it could have simply pushed its way inside. Still, I'd love to know what you think it is. BC's Dragon From Ghostly Descender Location, British Columbia, Canada. I was eight years old when me and my family traveled out west to the wilds of Canada. We drove through Ontario to Alberta, then onwards to British Columbia. The trip itself was fun, and I saw many very cool and exciting animals. Though on the way back through BC's mountain range, my brother and I saw something we will never forget. We were close to the snow peaks of the mountains and above the clouds. It was breathtaking, with so many different shades of blue and white. But as we were driving down the mountain once again, I noticed a large, dark figure up in the sky next to the mountain beside us. It was colossal, had a long neck, a long serpentine tail, and giant wings with no feathers. It was a blackish-green color from what I could tell. I shook my brother furiously to get his attention. 
He looked out the window then and saw it too. We both watched it for the remaining few seconds as it spiraled down onto the peak of a mountain and disappeared from our view behind it. My brother and I both looked at each other in awe, then immediately turned to our parents to tell them about it. Clearly, they didn't believe us, telling us it was probably just a bald eagle. But I know what I saw, and it was nothing that I'd ever seen before, nor that I've ever seen since. Nightmarish Creature Lived in the Haunted House From Dante Location, British Columbia, Canada I was getting ready for the first day of school along with my brother. His name is Darius. I was honestly excited for the first day of school as I was ready to make some new friends and I enjoyed learning new things. After a long time of getting ready for school, it was time to go. We got into the car when I heard a noise. It was like the hybrid howl of a wolf and crocodile. I instantly looked behind us but saw nothing. This was strange. If this thing was on the ground, it would have made a sound due to all the twigs in the soil. I thought it was just my mind playing tricks on me. When we made it to school, I had a great time outside during recess. But then I heard the exact same sound again, and I swear I felt something breathing down my neck. I stood still out there, paralyzed with fear. When I turned around, I saw nothing. I remember thinking, what's wrong with me? Maybe just nerves on the first day of school? Even so, I ran into the school with intense speed. I felt that I wasn't safe until I was inside our classroom. After the school day, we arrived home. After we finished renovating the house, we played some video games and watched movies. As soon as it was nighttime and when I was in bed sleeping, I woke up in the middle of the night. I heard a familiar sound coming from an even more familiar place. That growling noise was back, and this time, it was coming from my closet. I was scared, more so than I've ever been, as the closet door slowly creaked open, and I saw something that seemed to be ripped straight from a nightmare. Red eyes, claws, and everything. I could not move a muscle, like I was glued in place, but the thing continued taking a step and lifting its arms and exposed its wings. Then it released a screech, launching itself towards me. I closed my eyes, but nothing happened. When I opened them, there was no creature to be seen, though my closet door was still open. The following morning, I went to the bathroom to brush my teeth, only to find a strange bite mark on my chest. Chills flooded over my body, and I ran crying to my mother, who simply told me that I may have scratched myself in my sleep, though she looked desperate for an answer. I live in Alberta now, and every once in a while, I see those red eyes at my window. I've never been more terrified of the dark. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? 
In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Wendigo in the Fields from Ya Boy Has Arrived Location, Northwest Canada Back then, I was not a believer in anything supernatural, but I have become convinced that something horrible lives out there. I was in the fourth grade, and I lived around a somewhat isolated community in Northwest Canada. I was wearing snow pants and a parka, as my mom was insistent on me wearing them, even though I wouldn't actually be outside in the blizzard very long. I walked out the front door that day, went down the stairs, wandered about the front yard as I still had about 15 minutes before the bus arrived. I had a very limited view of the area, and it was so early that the only light I had was from my iPod or the headlights from my dad's truck. I wasn't afraid, but lately my friends and I had been toying with the ideas of ghosts, mostly just to prank each other. I certainly didn't believe, and I was not afraid. But that morning, I never felt alone. I decided to go check if my two dogs were awake. I made it to the garage before I noticed some footsteps lightly crunching the snow about halfway between me and the doghouse. I figured it was one of the dogs. I joyfully turned around to greet it, but I was met with this skeletal pale figure crawling across the yard on all fours. Its skin was a pale gray and was extremely leathery looking. The creature seemed as if it was stretched over a much bigger skeleton than it was meant for. It peered at me with its bald, pale head and seemed slightly shocked, but not deterred in any way. I was absolutely frozen with fear, my heart pounding like a drum. We had talked about the Wendigo in our silly little conversations, but we never once thought it was true. I realized then that this might be what I was looking at as the creature slowly crawled across the fields as if looking for something in the freezing cold. I was too afraid to go and check on the dogs. I was more scared for myself than anything, but I soon worked up the courage to run into the house. I ran so quickly that I nearly slipped a couple of times, but still kept up an extremely fast pace. I opened the door and in one fluid motion, I slammed it and locked it. Then I collapsed, panting and afraid. 
to make the experience much worse. A week later, my dad woke up at three in the morning panicked and staring out the window. He claimed that he had seen something he described very similarly to the creature I saw. He went outside the next day to see huge human footprints cutting across the driveway. As I grew older, I researched Native American spirits and creatures, specifically the Wendigo. All I have to say is that if I see it again, it won't escape into the canola fields, and I will try to defend my property. The Thing in the Woods From Cool Showing Location, Nova Scotia, Canada I live in Nova Scotia, Canada, and I don't end up camping often, but last summer, I did. I was with my family, and we were at my great-grandfather's old lot. He had passed away, and I never got to meet him, but I always found his old property odd. This trip confirmed that it was quite an eerie place. We were having hot dogs that night, and when night fell, I soon saw a pair of eyes in the woods. The following day after sunrise, I went looking around where I saw the eyes, but there was nothing there except for a footprint that didn't seem human, but I guess that's to be expected. But then again, it didn't look like any animal footprint that I knew of. I followed the footprints as far as I could, but I was horrified when they led right up to the window in the room where I was sleeping at the night before. That night, I was reluctant to go to bed. At one point, I had to go to the bathroom. When I came back, I saw the very same eyes in the window. There was a silhouette leaning against the glass. We were staying in a camper there, so the windows were higher up than the average person could reach. This creature was one of the ugliest things I'd ever seen. It was only comparable to what I've heard of as a skinwalker or wendigo, but I didn't care. I must have woke up half the island when I screamed. Everyone, literally everyone, got up and ran to see what was going on. They arrived soon enough to see the silhouette running away. Someone who must have seen it hopped into the driver's seat and we took off. We returned the next day to all of our stuff that was outside the camper, destroyed. I don't think any of us will be coming back here. So I didn't have enough new stories for this episode, so the last two stories here are from much older episodes. Hopefully they're new to you, and hopefully you enjoy them. The Beast of the Canadian Woods, submitted by Felix M. This story happened to my grandfather back when he was a teenager. He and his girlfriend, now my grandmother, had just had a nasty fight and broke up, which devastated him. His dad decided that sometime doing his favorite thing might cheer him up, and so they went camping. This had my grandfather up and about the second he heard about it because camping has been and always will be one of his most passionate hobbies. My grandfather mentioned that when they were driving to the campsite, he had this unbreakable feeling that something was off. 
He later realized that once they drove past a certain point, he had stopped hearing any animals from the wilderness around him. No birds, no sight of the occasional moose, nothing. Fast forward to later when they were at the campsite. Now, it wasn't just him and his father there at the campsite. There was an Indian family that was camping not far from them, and they even shared a dinner with them and swapped stories. It was later that night when everything started to happen. My grandfather woke up inside the tent they had set up with the urge to, you know, make a pit stop. So he quickly unzipped the tent and dashed into the woods, flashlight in hand. He made his way a while from the campsite as to not stink up the air and he did his business. Now, as he started walking back, he realized that he must have gone a lot further than he thought because it was taking a good amount of time to get back to the actual campsite. And it was at that same time that he felt he was being watched. So he picked up the pace a little and he began to feel the full weight of the situation. He was in the middle of nowhere, not even sure if he was walking the right direction and he felt like something was following him closely. He says he started to feel like he was on the verge of tears. He was that terrified. It was then that he heard a branch snap on a tree behind him, causing him to whirl around to see nothing on the ground. But there was certainly something in the trees, something big with pale white skin, and it was incredibly lanky. He didn't remember why, but then he started crying, and he was laughing at the same time. Then the creature began to move toward him, which snapped him out of it and made him scream before he began to run at full pace back through the forest. He didn't dare look back at whatever it was that was chasing him, but he knew it was right behind him and it was gaining on him at that. He then tripped and fell face first on a rock, immediately blacking out. He woke up with his dad and the Indian family's mother and son standing over him while the dad looked for whatever had destroyed the trees above. It was sheer evidence that something had been there. All my grandfather said was, we need to leave, that thing, it's not human. He tried to plead to his great-grandfather to believe him so that they would all leave. He said this so seriously that my great-grandfather knew that he must not have been lying. He wasn't that type of person. The next day, after some explaining, my grandfather learned that what he saw was probably a Wendigo. Now, of course, the Indian family didn't stay long after explaining this, and neither did my family. My grandfather claims this story is 100% true, and I don't see what reason he'd have to make it all up, so I trust him. I completely believe that my grandfather encountered a monster in the Canadian woods. The Monster in Northern Canada Submitted by Ryan I'm a 17-year-old guy that lives in northern Minnesota back in the States. I consider myself muscular. I weigh around 200 pounds and I go to the gym every morning. I'm not too prideful to admit that I might be pretty cocky sometimes, but I'm not easily scared. Anyway, every summer, my friend and I drive up to Bishow Lake in Alberta. We usually go fishing in our little boat, and that's what we were doing that day. We just got done fishing, and we were driving our fishing boat back to the cabin. My friend Zach stops the boat all of a sudden, 
and starts clenching his ears. It's obvious, and I look over at him and ask, hey, you okay, man? He responds with, what on earth was that noise? Tell me you heard that. Confused, I answered, while looking around at the surrounding lake. No, what did it sound like? He looks around for about 10 seconds, then responds. It was this super high-pitched howl. It sounded like it was right next to me, but now it's gone. So he starts the boat back up, and we drive back to the cabin undisturbed. A few hours later, we are playing the new Call of Duty together in the living room when something that sounded like a rock hit our window. We both jump up, and Zach yells, What was that? Then he goes to check it out. I'm sitting on the couch, and I tell him, It's probably just some bird, man. Just finish the game with me. So he walks away from the window and just sits down, and we start playing again. By then, it's about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and we're still playing our game, when out of nowhere, we hear this god-awful high-pitched howl, and almost instantly, as goosebumps envelop my skin, I realize this must have been the sound he was talking about. The sound blares from just outside our cabin. Zack screams, that was the noise, as we both run to the window and look outside to find nothing. Then Zack, who is fed up with whatever this prankster is doing, grabs a kitchen knife and runs out the front door, yelling, whoever's out there, come here and show yourself, this isn't funny. I get up and run outside with him looking around. I wanted to be sure he didn't hurt someone in his anger. The next thing we saw is something I never thought I'd witness in my life, and I honestly can't believe I'm saying it now because it sounds like I'm an escaped patient from a mental hospital, but I know what I saw and it will forever haunt me. There's an elk standing at the forest's edge outside, and we watch in silence and in awe as the elk stands up on its hind legs, letting out that same horrific high-pitched howl, the exact noise we had just heard. Right away, we both make a beeline for the truck. It was parked in the driveway to our right, and Zach hops in the passenger seat. I jump into the driver's seat and dig around in my pocket for the keys. First things first, I lock all the doors. I finally find the keys and shove them into the ignition. I pound my foot on the gas, zipping down the driveway and turning down the dirt road to zoom away. Once we have the guts to, Zach and I both look back at the cabin and see that that thing is gone. Then we look at each other, speechless. To this day, I think what we saw was a skinwalker a shaman or spirit that can take the form of animals, but not perfectly. I've heard the legends before, and I honestly never put an ounce of truth into them, but this experience, it's confirmed so much for me. But I'm still terrified, and I know I wasn't hallucinating, because Zack and I both saw it. To all of you listening or reading, just know there are things out there and it doesn't always have to make sense. Hey, Canada. It's okay if you're scared. We're scared too. Sometimes our monsters move a little too far north, and sometimes yours move a little too far south. Our nightmares are the same, you see. 
So don't worry, because you're not alone in this, but don't not worry, because there's nothing we could possibly do about it, but to hide and pray that the creatures don't break into our homes when we're sleeping. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. You can submit your stories at darknessprevalence.org for a chance to have them read on the show. You can also go to patreon.com darknessprevails or shop our merchandise at teespring.com stores darknessprevails or simply click the shop button below this video if you're watching on YouTube. Now then, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous full video about five scary night drive stories. Very Rare says, Hey, your Wi-Fi is up now. Right on time. That didn't last long. Even now, my Wi-Fi keeps going in and out of service. It's really annoying, and I still have to pay full price for it. Veggie Natural Girl says, Alright, night drives in the moonlight are the best. Definitely. That way you can see the creepy things that run across the road. Sarah Morton says, Oh my gosh, I'm early. This is a happy moment. Well, I hope you enjoyed the video, and I hope you learned your lesson about being too eager to be scared. Kaylee Sturk says, I don't know if this episode even has any, but when you tell certain stories, please give a trigger warning. I will not do trigger warnings most of the time because you should know what you're clicking. You're knowingly watching a horror channel. You should be prepared for any and all horrors that fall under the umbrella of disturbing. The point of a horror story is to trigger you. That's the point, that's the effect. And if you can't handle being triggered, I apologize, but that's literally what I'm here to do. This category of entertainment is to scare you, to mess you up, so maybe it's not for you. I'm not trying to be rude, and I hope you understand. And Everything Now says, Darkness, I have a scary sleepover story. Do you think you can read it on your channel? Maybe, I haven't done sleepover stories in a while, but I think I'm only taking sexy pillow fights. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode of Darkness Prevails, but don't you worry, because more scary stories are on the way soon, so stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my amazing patrons who continue to donate. They're awesome people. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy, because this world is a strange one. <laughs>